0: It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to The Saturday Show with Adrian Leiser and Jake Hatch. Can't
1: wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. It's all weekend,
0: baby. (laughs) On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show, final hour of the program on the Saturday afternoon. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Jay Katz, joined by our good friend Brian Brown as the co-host of Adrian. Off today with NBA All-Star Weekend underway. We put up the poll question earlier on today. and You guys can weigh in on this. We'll get to this a little bit later on the show. But with two Utah Jazz players taking part in the NBA All-Star Game this weekend, are you more inclined to watch the game? There's a few poll responses. We'll get to the responses. We're up over 200 votes so far. Wow. So we'll get to those in a little bit. It. I can tell you this much. A lot of people can be watching the game, it looks like. What yeah, I,
1: I think Jazz fans are just hooked right now, especially after that four game winning streak. Yeah,
0: we'll talk about that. But wanted to uh, talk some football, college football. Always a good time to talk college football here on the Zone Sports Network. And bringing in Andrew Mitchell. He's the head coach of the Snow College football program. And Coach Mitchell, thanks again for joining us. How are you, sir?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Absolutely. Uh, let's start off here. We were talking in the break. I was talking with Brian, and obviously, you guys have a long standing relationship. I hear you guys were roommates once upon a time down there in Ephraim. Uh, but we were talking about the fact that Snow College, you guys are essentially on an island here with multiple states between you and other junior college football programs as it stands currently. You, as the head coach down there, what is your, your perception? What has kind of been your experience so far through one year of being a, a Juco independent? Uh,
2: there's been some challenges. I think the. Uh I'll start by saying, though, that the silver lining uh, from kind of losing our league, so to speak, with the Arizona schools dropping their programs is that um, we're, our, our talent level has increased tremendously. And it's, um, you know, like you said, we're kind of on an island. And so, out really in the Western United States, we're the last standing uh, scholarship junior college football program. And so, we market ourselves as such and one that's obviously built up along. Long standing tradition of having a lot of success. And so, um, that's, it's been interesting. We've, we've kind of ventured outside of the region a little bit more in recruiting and knowing that, uh, we can have a little bit more of a draw, um, beyond, you know, Utah and Idaho and, and Colorado more down into Las Vegas and even Southern California and then the Pacific Northwest. And so, uh, in terms of our recruiting and our talent, I think it's been a huge help. Um, but the challenges of, of scheduling um, those those will continue. Uh, I think uh, right now we're, we're we're looking good to have an 11 game schedule next year, a 10 or 11 game schedule. But uh, last year being behind the eight ball with the transition and turnover in the coaching staff, it was it was a bit of a challenge. But uh, definitely learned a lot in year one. That's going to I help us have a little bit uh, easier travel schedule this year for us, which would be really good.
1: Coach, you mentioned the recruiting is, is, is part of the lifeblood of, of any college football program, but especially the JUCO ranks where there is so much roster turnover. As you've gone out and about, have you felt like the reputation of football here in Utah has helped you as you spread your message? I know that you have ties with places in, in Texas and California and even some as far away as Australia. Has, has the Utah reputation helped you at all, or is that something where you're still trying to introduce kids to what exactly happens here in state?
2: No, I, I think there's a, a growing perception uh, that, that there's a lot of high-quality uh, talent here in the state of Utah in terms of football talent, and uh, I think that's held up for the most part. I think uh, people you, – you, I mean, you see it. It's, it's not really a, a matter of opinion anymore. There's schools recruiting the state of Utah from all over the country at a high level now, and, and Utah's producing – uh, a lot of players that are moving on and being really productive at a high level. So I think, uh, there is a reputation that, that, uh, has helped us, I believe. Although, uh, it's a little bit different given that we're, our, our mission and objective is a little bit different than maybe other, other schools in the state.
0: Yeah, and that that's, that's kind of the next question I wanted to ask you about, is you guys, as a junior college football program, your roster turnover every two years, essentially. It turns over completely here. But you guys are a feeder program for multiple FBS, FCS, regardless of the level of college football these, these young men are playing at. You guys are a feeder program for that. And when it comes to snow, I know it's got a proud tradition. I have had siblings that went to school down there in Ephraim. They love their experience down there. But in the day and age of this, it's kind of funny to think about the fact that coming up this coming season, we are going to have an independent football program in the state that plays at the FBS level, speaking of BYU, an FCS level program in Dixie State, and then yourselves at the JUCO level as an independent. I look at that, and it's just a fascinating case study, I feel like, for football in general.
2: No, it's, it is. It is kind of interesting, uh, and I didn't put a whole lot of thought into that, but it is... Uh... You know, there's, it presents some unique challenges. I think uh, talking with Paul, they know there's going to be some big challenges ahead for them down there at Dixie. Um, and it's the same for us. But I, I look at the opportunity it presents for our kids. I mean, with the way recruiting has changed, it's really hard to hide talent. Um, but I think there is still something to uh, visibility when you go and travel and play a national schedule. You're getting your kids in, in front of more sets of eyes uh, in different recruiting circles around the country. And we've already kind of seen that from this past season I know that will continue and it's interesting that it really to me I I see it as an advantage for our kids to uh like I said increase their upward mobility a little bit recruiting with just being in front of more 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 coaches in different parts of the country
1: you mentioned the fact that you're getting these kids a lot of exposure last year it was like going it was going to places like Kansas uh Florida Iowa um have you seen that help out on on the recruiting as you talk to these kids and, and trying to get them to come to middle of nowhere in Utah where it nine, t- nine months out of the year it smells real funky and, and you only have one stoplight and you're trying to sell these kids on an experience? Does that help the fact that you're able to go and, and kind of see other parts of the world rather than just being stuck in Ephraim?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and that's that, not like to I disparage
1: Ephraim e at all, because you and I both know the true gem that it is, but, you know, from an outsider's that, perspective.
2: That, that sounds like that, it sounds like that's what you're doing, but I'm not sure. Hey, <laughs> they've, they've got a Walmart in Ephraim now. They, they've made it. They've made it now. They've got that Walmart down. The, the Little Caesars
1: stays open late. It's fine.
2: <laughs> this place has evolved. You, you're not giving it enough credit. But no, it's uh yeah, it's, it's uh, an opportunity for them to get out and, and have experiences and um, that they probably, most of these kids, haven't had yet. But also, like I said, it's interesting. Going back to two years ago, we had an offensive lineman here named Blake Bettier. We went and played Iowa Western in the bowl game. Um, This is just before we we became an independent. And it's interesting, Is the week or two weeks as we were getting ready for that bowl game, I got calls about Blake from coaches that had had conversations with uh, coaches on the Iowa Western staff. And, you know, basically... And that happens a lot in recruiting in junior college. They'll say, "Hey, what do you have at the at each position?" And then they say, "Well, what have you seen at other positions? If maybe you don't have a guy that fits the profile of what we need." And multiple coaches that we played, you know, all over the country had, had spoken about, about about Blake, and he, he ends up playing at, at the University of Baylor in the Big 12 in Texas, and and that was probably a surprise to a lot of people, given that you know we're sitting here in Pac-12 and in Mountain West country in terms of recruiting, but. We sent, I think, three guys to the Big 12 that year off that roster. But it's interesting that you know there's certain coaches in in junior college football that have credibility and that um, have done it the right way. And and when you play those teams and there's more eyes on you, it's, it's kind of unorthodox sometimes. But the way that you get these kids and their names out there can be can be different.
0: You talk about the the recruiting angle, and you said you guys are getting more exposure now where you recruit more nationally, but the backbone of your teams, I think by similar to the, a lot of the other college football programs in the state, the backbone of your program will be built here in the state of Utah. How important is recruiting the high schools here in state for you?
2: It That will always be a priority. Um, and I think if you really want to take it a step further, if you look at any sustainable – uh, model of a college football program at any level around the country, if they've been good for an extended period of time, they have done extremely well um, attracting productive players, players from their own backyard. And that's always been the the core of what Snow College is all about. And I'll, I'll never, as long as I am able to be here, I'll never uh, n- not, not be that way about it. And that won't be our approach. Uh, it won't just because, if you go back over the last 20 years, uh, there's been a lot of high-level players that have played at snow, and a good portion of them are from within two to three hours of our campus. And and, and the mission of this college and this athletics program is to serve uh, student-athletes from the state of Utah, and that's always going to be 60 to 70% of our roster, and we know that. And um, we know there's a lot of really good players in Utah, and there's still, even though, like I said, it's being recruited more probably than ever, there's still a good number of overlooked Um Recruits in the state that that we brought in and will continue to do so that are uh, basically make up the nucleus of our program.
1: You know, you just wrapped up your signing day class, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and it looks like you guys had a really good run. A variety of names, a few bounce backs. Who are some of the kids that you want to highlight from that class, and uh, who do you expect to be contributors as as you roll into the fall uh, upcoming fall schedule?
2: Well, we we lost a lot of guys off of our defense, and so it's hard to really specify a specific area there that we were going after. It was really everything. We have a couple, uh, guys coming back along the de- defensive front that we're expecting big things from. And, um, Vita Fotu, uh, Mikey Foto's little brother that was here last year with us. We expect him to make a big jump this year, but, and a couple other returners. Uh, but in terms of guys coming in, we knew we needed to upgrade our talent. Um, really at all of our skill positions, um, We do have a good number of guys coming back on offense, but we knew offensive line-wise we were losing a bunch of guys, and we were aggressively out uh, recruiting offensive linemen. And so we actually came across a kid named Jordan Moko that's from uh, Brisbane, Australia. Relatively new to the game, like a lot of kids over there, but um, had some film and has has some foundation. It was an offensive lineman, and what he did have on film was very
1: good he, Jordan <laughs> oh, okay now hold on because you called me out for uh for downplaying my uh hometown of ephraim very good is a very light way of describing what he is on film because he is an absolute well, monster
2: yeah he's, he's got all the physical tools to play for a very long time he he has a lot to learn but there's there is a, a set of tools there that are that are extremely hard to find and we're very fortunate to have him here with us because uh, he's a great kid, ex- just an extraordinary kid. From, comes from a great family, hard worker, um, but he has all the tools to be very, very good. Um, and it's all in front of him because he's still so new and raw to the game of football. And but has a great attitude. And has been has been on campus now for a month and it looks extremely good. Um, yeah, and he, he's one that people will hear about for a long time around the state. Uh, there's going to he'll have a number of of people trying to get after him here in the next several months, and already kind of. Is getting some traffic from schools really all over the country. Um, and then, uh, we had a BYU signee, uh, Lee Sala Tai is from Hawthorne High School in Los Angeles. Um, he, uh, served a two year LDS mission and got back in the fall. And, uh, we were able to get him up here. Excited about him. He, he goes six, seven. He's probably gotten down. He lost a few pounds. He's down to about 330 right now, but extremely athletic for how, how big and long he is. He's extremely athletic. Um, Jasper Freaks. He's another international kid who actually came to us this semester from, uh, Cal Berkeley, uh, grew up in Germany, I played two years of high school football at Aquinas in San Bernardino, California, um, massive human being. Also, uh, he's, he's a little bit bigger than, than, than Lee Sala. He goes about six, seven. He's well over 340 pounds right now, but also extremely athletic for, for his size. Um, and, and like I said, you know, uh, a couple of good high school kids from in the state here, Cormac Boyer, uh, more of an interior offensive lineman coming from Roy High School, um, and, and a number of other guys. But, uh, we, ha- you know, like I said before, 4 4 transfers are, you know, a.k.a. the bounce backs that everyone talks about. That's never been our, our main event or something that we really put all of our eggs in, you know, that basket, so to speak. But we have a good number of those guys this year that, that could be really, really special. One of another – uh, D lineman from named Robert Fuentes is from UTSA in Texas. Uh, he goes, he's probably six, 245 pounds, but extremely long athletic kid. Um, and then man, the list goes on and on. I, I top of my head. And another guy in state Cole Hogan that a lot of people from the state would know about from Weaver high school. He's a quarterback, but he's also a hell of an athlete, extremely tough kid, wrestler, um, kind of checked all the boxes that we look for from our in-state kids, of being a kid that's extremely blue-collar, great family, and will come in and be uh, a great fit here at Snow College. Um, so, yeah, a number of guys. And, and, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we end up signing a, a linebacker from the Pacific Northwest near Seattle, uh, Peter Latu, who a lot of diehard Utah fans probably know his name. He was a highly sought after Pac-12 recruit. Really became more of a national recruit. He's over six four. Uh, probably projects to be more of an outside linebacker, but could potentially play inside the box for us um, and at the next level, depending on how his body develops. Um, but freakish athlete. Uh, at one point, I believe he was committed to Oregon. Um, so he'll he'll. We're excited to see what he does when we get him down here. He'll be down here in the summer. Um, but yeah, there's there's a number of other kids. Yeah, so we're excited. Like I said, it, there's been. And this is coming from a guy that I have a full appreciation for the caliber of dudes that have come through here over the years, but we're really excited about, about this group of guys.
1: I, I can vouch that there's no way that, that I would survive on this roster by comparison. Well, it, Things have changed, yeah. It's a different-looking group of kids for sure.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that, just in terms of how the evolving landscape of just college football recruiting in general. We, we see it at the FBS level. We cover the in-state programs heavily here on the station with Utah State, BYU, and Utah. But even at your guys' level where you're recruiting, how, how different is it as compared to when you were playing versus what it is like today as now as a coach?
2: It's drastically different. Um, you know, snow is always produced or been known to produce, uh, you know, O-line, D-line, tight ends, an occasional quarterback, uh, and an occasional skill player. But for us to compete against the teams we're competing against now, uh, the schools from Kansas and Iowa and other schools out east, we knew that was a huge emphasis going into last year's recruiting class as well. We had to upgrade our perimeter uh, skill talent, whether that be on the offensive side and on the defensive side. Uh, there's just teams we're playing now that that have FBS caliber receivers and DBs everywhere and for us to be able to have a chance to, to compete and continue to score a lot of points we knew uh we had to, to go after some guys a little more aggressively than they've done in the past in recruiting and so uh, i think we've had some success doing that now you have to balance that and reconcile that with the community that we live in and know that these kids have to be a fit you know we can't bring in kids from all over the country that don't fit the profile of, of what snow college is and will mm-hmm. always be about and so uh that's that's a challenge as well with a limited recruiting budget when you're not able to get in front of these kids in person as much as say you would at BYU or the University of Utah doing in-home visits and so on for a year and a half. But uh, we do the best we can with the resources we have to make sure these kids are, are high-quality kids and high-character kids that will uh, represent Snow College well.
0: Hey, Coach Mitchell, of course, you, and, uh, you have a relationship here with Brian. I wanted to give you an opportunity can you give us some insight on what Brian was like when you guys were together down there in Ephraim?
2: I think the first draw, uh, the first, the spark to our our, our flame, our friendship, was Brian has some pretty good cooking skills, uh, and I think he was doing he did some Sunday dinners and things like that, and uh, he knew the way to my heart, and uh, yeah, so we we became fast friends, um, and you know, it's funny is. You know, I, I played at Snow. I played at Oklahoma State. I bounced around the NFL for a little bit, but my my best friends, some of my best friends, were from my year and a half that I spent down here in Ephraim. And it's it's a hard thing to explain to someone that never had the snow experience, but uh, it, it takes a special kind of place to to you know have a those kind of bonds where there's not a lot going on, there's not a lot to do, so you get creative and sometimes you do some things that are probably not very smart, but. Uh, <laughs> That's what creates the cool stories and memories and all those sorts of things, and we had a lot of those for sure.
1: You can save some of those stories for uh, kids that want to take recruiting trips down there. That's correct. I'm yeah. just gonna
0: I'm gonna text you afterwards and get some dirt <laughs> on Brian. Is that, does
2: that work for you, coach? Yeah. I'd rather not be documented. Okay, fair so enough. We, we'll, we'll make we'll make it a phone conversation. Okay, that'll that,
1: work. that's that's a sign of a head coach, right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. Well,
2: yeah. coach,
0: we can't yeah. thank you enough for taking some time to join us here on the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Look forward to covering you guys throughout this upcoming off season. Also, look forward to you, what you guys do this coming fall. All
1: right.
2: I appreciate the time, and, and also just wanted to mention that on April twenty fifth, we will be having a walk on trial oh, for sweet. any of our. Yep. In-state kids that that uh, are still looking for an opportunity and, and all that stuff. All our information is at snowbadgers. dot com. But thank you guys for having me.
0: Okay, so April twenty fifth, you said, right? Yes, sir. All right, we will we'll make sure to get the word out about that. We'll tweet that out, et cetera. All right, coach. Thanks so much for the time.
2: You bet. Have a good weekend.
0: All right, there you go. And uh, great conversation. Yeah,
1: he's uh, in that relationship. I definitely fulfilled my my full destiny as being the one who kept him well fed. <laughs> Okay. And, and made sure that he made his flights out of the country, so uh he's a very talented individual he's he's very young uh energetic, he relates well to kids he is the perfect person to be leading that program right now, where there is so much transition, yeah because he has a knowledge in his of the history of the program, where it's been where it can go, and he also has a lot of of insight. Um, from his other stops. You know, this is a guy that played at Oklahoma State, Correct. played for the Cincinnati Bengals, played for the Jacksonville Jaguars, played at Seattle. And so he's been around the country and has a lot of connections. And you see it with their recruiting now, mm-hmm. not only with the kids that they're bringing in, but the places that they're sending kids. You know, he mentioned that year um, that they sent Lake to to Baylor. I think it was also Parker, Parker Workman went to, to TCU. And, and they had so many guys that went out to big programs that year. And it's it just going to continue as they turn this roster over.
0: It is a fascinating conversation. I'm eager to watch what happens because – they're in an interesting, interesting situation that you they rarely are. see at the JUCO re- level.
1: They are, and it, it's, it's a weird thing for that program because it's not one that's going to garner a lot of attention, but it, it honestly should because in terms of storylines mm-hmm. and, and situations, and I think JUCO football has had a really interesting microscope placed on it because of the Last Chance U series on Netflix. Yes. A lot of people love it and, and get super involved, but once it ends or once they stop watching, that's literally where it drops off, and Correct. there's so much more that goes on to it. And there's just not a demand for it. And so they don't get the coverage that they maybe deserve. And so, you know, every opportunity I get to to, to let them showcase what they have down there. And, yeah. and I joke with Andrew about you from being a hole and things like that. But that is my hole, and I will defend it to the death. And I love it there, yeah. and, and, and it's my home. Um, it, it made so much of who I am today and, yeah. and the roles that I play. Um, you know, he mentioned it. Like some of my best friends came from playing down there too, and that's – you know that that's a rare thing, and it's 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 a nice pitch to have in the back pocket when the kids are there. As a guy who's hurting. had
0: three siblings graduate from Snow College, yeah. <laughs> I've got it. I I never lived there myself. I, I I I'll say that right up front. But having three siblings having gone to go school there, I understand the whole dynamic of what Ephraim is, and it is a. It is a
1: unique place. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Yeah, so but if you, uh, if you find your way down there, then you'll definitely find things about yourself that you never found out. Of. All right, we're gonna stay on the football kick. We're gonna talk some Utah football with
0: former Utah offensive lineman Paul Tuwala. That's coming up next. Uh, interesting. Interest. I'm interested to hear from him. His insight on what happened this past season from his perspective, having been on the team and inside the program. So we'll get to all that next, right here on the Saturday show on the Zone Sports Network. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies even on the weekend. Weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. We're gonna get right back out to the Zone phone here and bring in a Utah, well, former Utah offensive lineman, I guess I should say, Paul Tawalla, Uh recently finishing up his playing days up there on the hill. Paul, how are you, sir?
3: I'm good. I'm good. How you doing?
0: Doing all right. Uh, let's start off here, Paul. Last season for Utah, obviously. A season to remember for many Utah fans, but it did not finish off the way that Utah fans wanted to see it finish off. I'm sure you're the same way. Having played in the program, you obviously probably wanted to see the season finish off in a different format. But what were your overall thoughts on how the season played out for Kyle Whittingham's program?
3: Well, kind of like you talked about, it didn't end up the way that we wanted it to. Um, I think kind of collectively after the Oregon game, we kind of – we weren't mentally there. Uh obviously I can't speak for mys or I can only speak for myself. But I think that was kind of the general idea. Um but looking at the season as a whole, I think it was it was great for for a lot of reasons. You know, not many teams are able to win back to back. I think we we're the first team to win back to back actual South champions uh championships in in a while. Um and so it's, I think it was a great building ground. I think it was a great base for, you know, recruiting for other people, other kids from the nations that are trying to, you know, get picked up. I think they were finally opening their eyes to, to Utah, thanks to the success that we had this year.
1: You know, Paul, you, you have kind of a unique situation because you started out at Dixie State and then Ser LDS Mission came back and then transferred to the University of Utah. Uh, what yeah. was the... The biggest jump for you as you went from that program, which is trying to be, you know, a, a, an, an FCS team now, up to Utah, where they're trying to establish their their rate their dominance, I guess, in the Pac uh, Pac twelve and Power Five.
3: Well, obviously, the biggest difference between you know my playing days at Dixie and my playing days at Utah was you know the level of of competition that we were playing um, down at Dixie. Yeah, they were like a couple guys that were decent. Um, But, no, at Utah, you'd have to, you know, bring your A game all the time. Um, Not only that, but, you know, you're practicing against some of the best players at Utah as well. So it's not like you get a, you know, a day off sometimes. You're playing against, you know, what was the best defensive line to be one of the best defenses in the nation, you know, last year. And so um, I can say this with certainty. I never played against the best defense in the nation You know, while I was at Dixie State, great people down there, but, you know, it's there's a big difference between, you know, Lucky Foto and and John Penicini and someone, you know, that played at Dixie State.
0: Yeah, Paul, there are going to be nine guys from the University of Utah, eight of them from the defensive side of the football going to the NFL Combine. What was it like going up against those guys every day in practice?
3: Well I'll tell you this. There should be how many did you say there there were there's nine? N- there's
0: nine. Yeah. Nine total going okay. to the
3: combine. Well, I think there should be eleven. Or actually twelve. I think that um I think that Snoop got snubbed. I think that one of the best offensive tackles, the first team, left tackle for all of Pac twelve, Darren Paula yeah. should have gotten the invite. And one of I think one of the best and the most improved players is Josh Nurse. I think he didn't get enough credit. Uh very long, very lengthy dude. Um, but I think he he should have, you know, got gotten a bit into there. But answering your question, just going back to that, um, it was fun. It was fun going against Lucky and John and you know, obviously you got Bradley at the end, you had Francis who's so smart at um at linebacker, and also you had Terrell. Terrell honestly, Terrell is one of those people in the locker room where you'd be like, come on, Terrell, just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's a great dude, but he'd be just so loud and just boisterous. And not about himself, just like kind of outgoing type of guy. Um, and then he'd get on the field, and then he'd start talking crap to the O-line, and, you know, it'd be one of those, you know, oh, let's, let's get on Terrell for a little bit. But just going back to your question, you know, going against that o- or D-line, going against that defense was – Humbling, but also it was a great marker for for us as a kind of a younger offense to see where we were at
1: this whole conversation you realize how much production Utah really is losing as they go into next season. Uh, who are some of the guys that you expect to step up, especially in the trenches, because I think this is one of those places where from an outsider's perspective, it looked like the O block struggled at times. I don't necessarily agree with that, um, but I got a little bit more knowledge base than most. And then the defensive line is going to have to replace, like we said, you know, three starters. Yeah. So who are some of those guys that you expect to really step up on both sides of the ball? And then maybe you know some of the other guys uh, at other positions too, if you have any.
3: Right. Well, let's start with the defensive line, just because I know that you know I went against them every day. I don't necessarily think they're going to have a drop off cuz our second string our second string uh defensive line they were great as well. Um I think Leckie and John they get most of the credit and obviously so they're you know awesome talents but you guys or the University of Utah they have you know Waki that's you know probably going to be like for for an offensive lineman he's he's a nightmare just because he can turn his quickness into a bull rush and then if you kinda of sit on the bull rush too much he's gonna finesse you around. And then you have Big V, he's our transfer from Hawaii, just a big town that loves the push pull, loves the bull rush. Um so I don't think there's gonna be much of a drop off. But I I can see a lot of our fans saying, Hey, well, you know, we're we're losing, you know, some all Americans, obviously Bradley, you know, Lecky, John. Um but you guys gotta remember that you know, Mika, Mika Tafu uh, is and was a, a great talent. He's only a, a sophomore going into his junior year, a great leader. I think he's, you know, he's going to be great. And I think a lot of the kind of the recruiting class that's coming into this year, we got Van, and have I think these people are going to, you know, with Mika kind of guiding them and Coach Powell guiding them and kind of teaching them, I don't think there's going to be any kind of drop off. And so, I would look out, especially for Watie and Mika, um, and Pita Ponga. He's he's very hard to guard just because he looks like he's going to bore rush you, but then he's going to finesse you. But were my, kind of my go-to position, my offensive line, um two names people could really, really look out for It's Falcon and Sautauro. Those two were freshmen last year, and, you know, they'd always come up to us and, to the, to the seniors and kind of ask us after practice, hey, what what can we do to get better? We'd have extra practices or extra opportunity periods after. They'd be the first in line, kind of trying to pick our brains. And they are physical. They they want to get up against the best line every day on scout team all last year. And so I think Falcon uh, Keaton Bills is going to be great. Um, like like you said, a lot of people. Kind of frowned on us last year, but that's not really. Um, we kind of saw that coming. Uh, you know, we were one of the best rushing offenses in the in the Pac-12, and yeah, we had Zach Moss and buckets for Zach Moss. You know, very easy. It makes our job a lot easy, but you know, still got to do our initial job. So, um, yeah, I think they got some, some work more to do on the O block, but not too much because they have. A lot of starters coming back. They love each other. You have Orlando Mana, who's probably gonna be you know, a, a draft pick here in, in a year or so. Same as Nick Ford. Great talent, great leadership, and you guys can expect a lot of good things from the O-Block this year.
1: Sounds like you have a pretty good uh, pretty big Zach Moss fan there with you hanging out right now.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, <clears throat>
0: Speaking with Paul Tawala here, former Utah offensive lineman here on the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Sprint Special Guest Line. Uh, Paul, I wanted to ask you, Utah's yeah. perception right now in college football, is there a program that simply just reloads? They've done a great job in recruiting uh, where they just essentially – you talked about the fact that the second unit of that defensive line is going to take over for some of the greatest stars in Utah football history, I feel like. Is that a, a mm-hmm. program um, – mantra almost where inside the program you guys feel like hey the next crop of guys they're just stepping up and stepping right into those roles and it's going to be nothing's lost in that regard
3: yeah absolutely we we believe that our starters could or our second stringers could probably start at other you know big time schools and we practice like they do as well and so there is no drop off in talent there is no drop off in the hard work when it comes to first strings and second strings especially when it comes to that D line um, and so I think it all starts with kind of that belief that, Hey, we're just as good as our starters. Yeah. It probably isn't our time right now, but you know, next year we'll be, you know, this year it will be their time. Uh, they got great coaches, which I think is, you know, the cornerstone for what, what they have there and, you know, they just all believe in each other. And so with, with the coaching staff like that, with the belief that they have and the worth work ethic that, you know, they've gained over the years. Um, it is a, you know, re-plug in and uh I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see them back in the Pac 12 championship.
1: You have a unique perspective as an offensive lineman because you have a, a almost a natural connection with the quarterback position. Utah's gonna have to replace a very, very talented quarterback and in, in Snoop, like you said, Tyler Huntley. Uh but you do have a pretty uh pretty impressive crew on campus already. I know you've had a chance to see Cam rising in action Give people a little bit of a scouting report on Cam, what his strengths are, what he brings to the team, and, and maybe some of the aspects about his game that people won't see coming that he's going to really be able to showcase in the spring as he and Jake Bentley battle out for the starting quarterback position.
3: Right. Well, Cam is a, is a really good friend. He, he loves my daughter, Cora, and, you know, we've, we've been able to hang out sometimes. And I think as soon as he kind of transferred from Texas – he kind of won us over just by, not by demanding respect, but he came in and worked. He worked hard and and he, he gained our respect by by being the first one in and kind of the last one out and just you know loving all of us. Um, a lot of people don't know what what people don't know about Cam is that he's a very athletic guy. He can scramble. He can you know make any throw. His arm strength is is awesome. And I personally have never seen Jake Bentley. You know, throw the ball. I know his stats. I know he's coming from the SEC. I've had an opportunity to talk to him. Great kid, but I think it's going to be a great battle just because Cam is Cam's a he's a warrior. He's going to go out there. He's going to compete. And if people think that Jake Bentley just because he started all those games at the SEC that he's going to get you know the the starting bid just because of that, they've got another thing coming because you know Cam. Sam's a, Sam's a monster. He's going, the year. He's going to be able to make the plays that the Utes need coming up this
0: season. Yeah, Paul, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be an exciting season ahead. I I kind of look at it as a, Utah, we're going to really find out a lot about this program this coming season because of all the production that is being lost, and we'll see what happens with this younger crew. Can't thank you enough for coming mm-hmm. on the show. We look forward to having you on again in the future to talk more about the Utes, okay?
3: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.
0: All right, there you go. Paul a former Utah offensive lineman. Some great thoughts. And Cora,
1: special shout-out to her. Yeah, she's uh, girl. going to have a little uh, extra guest on the interview. It's always uh, interview. fun. It's always so fun. She's I got, th- a little, she got a burgeoning song voice yeah,
0: there. Yeah, she, she's all about it. So I'm glad she was weighing in with her takes on it as well. <laughs> great to hear from Paul, and we will have him back on the show. I thought it was some good thoughts there. Interesting to hear him talk about Cam Rising because a lot of people do wonder because – we have not seen Rising play in a game yet as a transfer from Texas, and
1: and that's the thing is he's just the giant question mark. But yeah. I I think, and especially when you see Jake Bentley coming coming in with the roster that he does, the resume that he does, yeah. excuse me, and and just you know you, for a. Uh, Four-year player in the SEC—that's a lot of experience—and and and, and he's going to have his weaknesses. Been and you know he—he's known Andy Ludwig since he was at Vanderbilt, correct? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these things that may lead you to think that he's the guy, but Rising's been there for a year. He's a very, very talented quarterback. You know, there there are people that I talked to within the program that said that they thought Rising's arm was as good, if not better, than Tyler Huntley's. In a lot of respect, the other advantage that he has is he sat up in the booth with Andy Ludwig all last season because he wasn't able to dress, obviously, for game days because he had to sit out for, due to the NCAA transfer rules. And so I think that's, that's an added advantage. And and the other killer part about it for the youths is that he's sitting right next to Britton Covey. yeah. And to have those two football minds sitting next to each other talking out what's going on on the field, how they see things, how they would do it if they were out there for an entire season, you know, it's it's fascinating as a player, I think. And I was talking to uh, Derek Tuimanga who was an offensive yeah. lineman with you back in the day, the other day, and we both were were so adamant about the fact that you never get a chance to step away from the game and just view it, yeah, as a spectator, especially when you're playing, because it's like Paul said, you're you're always being challenged, you're always in competition, you're always being pushed and pushing yourself, and and when you get that chance to kind of step away and view things as an outsider, almost like a third person perspective. It changes how you think about it, how you see it, and and also like being able to come back to it and play after that. It it gives you a different perspective, and I think that really does give Rising a lot of advantages going into this. So it's just on Jake Bentley to show out if he's really going to beat him. But I think regardless of what happens, Utah's in good hands moving forward with the quarterback. They have options. Uh, it's just not going to be the same year as it was last year.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting. And it's going to be a fun uh, – spring football starts in two weeks for the local college football yep. programs. you are going to learn a lot there, but obviously more when it comes to fall camp coming up later this summer. And it's going to be an exciting time because Utah it will be interesting to see how much – production they have to replace it and see how they go about doing that yeah
1: it's it's not going to be like last year where it's like how far can this team go it's going to be so what are they going to do you know and then i think that's that's a fun change of pace i know utah fans probably a little uh stung by how the season <laughs> ended still yes but this will be a good opportunity to kind of to ease back into it and you know, we'll be full-fledged by fall.
0: Yeah, it will be. All right, we will uh, wrap up the show next, uh, get you the poll results. It's on my Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch. With you two Utah Jazz players in the NBA All-Star game, how much more inclined are you to watch tomorrow night's game? We'll get to those results next as we wrap up the show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Final segment of the Saturday show here on the Saturday afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Brian,
1: how was it? We made it. You
0: made it? I made eight? it. Finished.
1: <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't end up on the floor. Didn't didn't pull any <laughs> muscles. We're getting out we healthy. We hoped you wouldn't end up on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> didn't freak out and run out of the studio, so okay. that's good. I feel like, no, it was a lot of fun today. It was, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and yeah. and fill a seat. Uh, you know, Adrian is getting a well-deserved break. Mm-hmm. Over the all-star break, and it's always fun to hang out with, with Eric and chop it up. And yeah. So I appreciate it. It's been well, fun. Well, let's put it this way. This
0: will not be the last time you do this. Let's no. put it that way. All right. So. I'm,
1: I'm grateful for any opportunities.
0: Yeah. So. Absolutely. Okay, so I told you as we'd update you on the poll that we uh, put out about uh, with two Utah Jazz players taking part in the NBA All-Star Game this weekend. Are you more inclined to watch the game? I, so I put out a poll on Twitter. Had four different options. Yes, no, I'll catch the highlights, or meh, still not interested. Uh, so as of now, we've got 245, uh, 245 votes. Actually, it just went final. So we get 245 votes. Any, any idea of where the yes ended up out of those 245 votes?
1: Brian? I'm going to go... It's an overwhelming majority.
0: Okay, actually, so 250 votes. The final results just popped up. So 68.8% of 250 of them said that they will be watching the game. 8.4% saying no Fifteen point two percent saying I'll catch the highlights and then the meh still not interested, seven point six percent. Yeah, and
1: I think that seven point six percent is just never gonna be interested and that's fine. Yeah. But you know I, like for me personally, if Donovan and Rudy weren't playing, I would be in the meh
0: category well i think uh, I, I think that's not out of the realm of possibility for most yeah. people so yeah, for sure yeah but it's some fun stuff going on obviously uh we'll be back next week talking all things sports college football nfl nba utah jazz we'll have it all covered for you next week brian thanks again for coming in thank you again eric thank you're the man you. as always for taking care of us behind the glass and of course yeah we'll be back next saturday uh back here on so monday let everybody know We're not having our live shows on Monday for the holiday. We'll be back on Tuesday bright and early with DJ and PK in the morning. So until then, enjoy whatever's left of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.